On today's show, Steven Silas is officially gone. He will not be returning as the Houston Rockets head coach next season. We're going to unpack why it was time to officially move on from Steven Silas, the timing of it all, why the Rockets decided to rip the Band-Aid off when they did. We'll hear from Steven Silas during his last press conference as the Rockets head coach and take a look at the possible replacements for the head coaching position this offseason. All that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shengun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two. It is the end of an era. It is the dawn of a new age as Steven Silas is no longer the head coach of the Houston Rockets. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything. Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked On NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And the show, of course, at Locked On Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube, where you can search Locked On Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. I want your comments, your thoughts on the Rockets letting go of Steven Silas in the YouTube comments. Give me your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, all of that in those comments. Now, today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepix.com, promo code Locked On. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. It finally happened, guys. It finally happened. We have been counting the days, it feels like, and it's been long overdue. But the Houston Rockets have officially and finally moved on from Steven Silas. And we're going to hear from Silas. We're going to hear just how much of a class act he is in his exit press conference. And I want to share my, you know, my own thoughts on the the entire situation. But, But I think the important takeaway here is just, it was time. This was long overdue. This situation wasn't good for Steven Silas anymore. This situation wasn't good for the players anymore. And it's perfectly fine to acknowledge that Steven Silas was dealt a pretty rough hand expecting to come in here and have James Harden and Russell Westbrook and you know a contender and all of that and then to have all that swept out from under him. But at the same time, it's also perfectly fair, I think, to acknowledge that he did not make the most of the hand that he was dealt. And there were a lot a lot of concerns and issues as far as basketball philosophy, approach to the game, game management, lineups, decision-making, things that he firmly did have control over. And we will tackle in segment two some of the circumstances around Silas's head coaching tenure, some of the obstacles that he dealt with as a result of the Houston Rockets front office and things that he had to navigate and deal with throughout his head coaching tenure. We'll unpack all that. But I think Steven Silas was given enough runway to be able to sink or swim on his own. And unfortunately, he sank. And it is really disappointing because I remember being really excited 
when the Rockets announced they were hiring Steven Silas, when he was the finalist and when it, it came out and the news was, hey, here's your new head coach, Steven Silas, let's go. He was in the running all the way back in 2016 when the Rockets hired Mike D'Antoni. He was this offensive guru that had just led the Dallas Mavericks to the best offense in NBA history. I thought, man, sky's the limit with this guy. This is exactly the guy you want to bring in and potentially, you know, and replace Mike D'Antoni, right? A young, innovative, creative mind, somebody who can maybe get a different version out of James Harden. And then all of that was swept out from under him. And it was still, okay, it's cool. Let's see what he can do with this ragtag group of guys. And then it was, all right, cool. Officially going headfirst into a rebuild. First year, ball it up, throw it away. We won't even count it. It's not fair to count it. And we had the first year and the first year was like, all right, it's first year. You got a bunch of rookies, Bunch of young guys, very, you know, very few veterans on the roster. Cool. You're dealing with Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., learning how to play point guard, all that. All right, here we go. Year three. Let's see what you got. This was supposed to be the year where the team should have taken some steps. And in certain areas, in fact, it felt like the team regressed. And there's so many different things that you can point to. Yes, you can point to roster construction. Yes, you can point to lack of veterans. Yes, you can point to the age of the players on this roster. But when you have other situations to point to, like the Oklahoma City Thunder, who do not have a roster that is all that all that much older than the Houston Rockets, when you can point to so many of the concerning trends and reoccurring themes throughout this Rockets season, then ultimately, at the end of the day, it was the right move to move on from Steven Silas. So with that, I do want to run back his post-game presser, the final time that we will likely hear from Steven Siles as the Rockets head coach. Let's run that back really quick. I feel proud. I want to be a head coach my whole life. Um, I want to be like my dad. Um, this is loud. <clears throat> proud of these guys, proud of their hard work, proud of uh, their growth and their... Um, <clears throat> maturity as they got through the season obviously like there's been a lot of talk about my job for a long time right for a couple months and they just kept playing and kept working and trying hard and weren't worried about that they were worried about getting better and playing hard for their coach and I'm proud of that I'm supposed to have a meeting tomorrow morning. Anything else? I'll just ask, I know this was a very tough year for you personally with the loss of your dad, but you persevered and continued to have a good attitude. Are you allowing yourself to be, to be proud of yourself for that? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a hard year. I mean, you know, death is hard when you're person closest to you, the person who teaches you all about what you're doing on a daily basis, you lose them. It makes it difficult, but what made it easier was a group of guys in that locker room who wouldn't quit, just tried hard and wanted to do the right things. And a staff full of people who I could share quiet moments with or lean on or, you know, have conversations about people that they lost. So, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's difficult. I mean, death is a difficult thing, but when you have the people around you, especially players like the players that are in that locker room, um, 
it makes it a little bit easier. So Stephen went on to share and also highlight the fact that he understands the NBA as a business, and he feels that throughout all this, he's been treated fairly by fans, media. He, he gets it. He understands there's expectations. He understands the job. And he understands that there, you know, all the all the territory that comes or everything that comes with that territory, I should say. And while I didn't agree at times, oftentimes, especially this season, with his approach or his basketball philosophy, and I made sure to point that out quite a fair deal on this very show when I didn't agree, I still have nothing but the utmost amount of respect for Steven Silas because he treated not only me, but every person that he encounters, whether it's media, staff, players, coaches, opposing team members, whatever. He treats everybody with an immense amount of love and respect and is just a very genuine human being. And so ultimately, I do wish Steven Silas all the best moving forward. And I... I I feel pretty certain in my bones that he's going to get another crack at being a head coach somewhere. Um, who knows how much longer it'll be? Who knows what his situation is going to look like? Maybe he goes back to being an assistant for a little while and then tries again in a few years down the line. He's going to get another go at being a head coach. He, he is. And I do hope it's better the next time around. Better circumstances, better situation, whatever. Uh, because he does know basketball. Steven Silas is one of the best basketball minds in the NBA. That's why you keep hearing that repeatedly. I just think that for all the reasons that I went ahead and laid out in this segment, it was time for the Houston Rockets to move on. But with that, again, wishing Steven Silas the absolute best of luck moving forward. Coming up, do you want to unpack some of what Silas dealt with during his tenure? And if concerns are completely removed now that Steven Silas is gone or if there should still be some concerns on the Houston Rockets front office and how they approached certain things over these last three years. We're going to get there in just one moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Next game, how about Joel Embiid to score more than 26.5 points? What about LeBron James to have more than 7.5 rebounds? How about Kevin Durant to have less than 6.5 assists? Or what about Steph Curry to have more than 3.5 three-pointers made? So what is Price Picks? It's daily fantasy sports, but how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players. If they score more or less than their Price Picks projection, you can run up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch. That's NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA. They've got you covered for all the action over at PrizePix. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, one of the storylines that crept up earlier this season was front office interference in what the Houston Rockets were doing and trying to accomplish. And the fact that Steven Silas might have actually been kind of constrained in, in what he was 
allowed to do what he was able to do as the Rockets head coach. And this reporting by Sham Sharania and Kelly Eco of The Athletic actually sheds a little bit of light on that situation. So that's what I want to lead with here in this segment. So the article goes, Throughout Silas's tenure, the looming presence of general manager Rafael Stone was also one the head coach had to manage. While the two had constant positive dialogue, Stone, sources say, was routinely present for practices, shoot-arounds, coaches' meetings, and film sessions at home and on the road, often giving his input and suggestions of his own accord. And on one occasion, prior to the 2021-2022 season, Stone interrupted a Silas-led session to give his input on and show defensive positions to a few players who were present, sources with direct knowledge of the instant say. The interference reached a point where Silas eventually had to inform Stone he could no longer halt the coach's practice sessions. Stephen had to address the front office and check them, one source familiar with the matter said. Such an incident never happened again. So this is important. Now, because how much freedom did Steven Silas really ultimately have as the Houston Rockets head coach? And I ultimately, I still firmly believe that Steven was given more than enough runway despite a bad, you know, being dealt a bad hand. He was given more than enough runway to succeed and still struggled woefully in a lot of different regards, right? He was bad at adjusting to opponents. He was bad at executing late in games. He never settled on a consistent rotation or substitution patterns. He was constantly back and forth on the idea of whether or not he wanted to stagger Jalen and KPJ or whether he was going to bring LP off the bench or sub him in at the top of the second quarter. Like it was at no point did he ever find any cohesion with his lineups, even when everybody was healthy, it felt like there was just, okay, 10 games, we're going to see this. Then the next game, 10 games, we're going to see this. And one game, we'll see this. And then the next game, it's completely different. It felt like there was no consistency, right? And that fed into the frustrations with lack of hierarchy, lack of offensive identity, lack of a lot of different things for this Rockets team. So while the interference from Stone in the front office is concerning, and I will, I will play devil's advocate here for a second and say that, I don't think this was, I don't think anything here by Stone or the front office was done maliciously. Put yourself in Rafael Stone's shoes. You see what is effectively a rookie head coach struggling, struggling to instill a culture, struggling to instill an identity, struggling to develop a pecking order, struggling to get things to happen on the court, right? You see a guy who maybe looks a little bit way in over his head, right? He was walking in, he thought he was walking into a contender ready-made with James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and now he's, you know, going face-first into a rebuild. And so is your what is your inclination? To just let him sink on his own or to try and help out where you know how to help out? I'm not saying it was right for Stone to try to meddle and, and you know, get in there and, and get in there with the X's and O's and do, doing this, that, and the other thing. But I don't think it came from a place of, like, ill intent. I think he was just trying to help. And again... As far as the reporting is concerned, he backed off. And as far as my understanding of the situation is concerned, yeah, he, there was no meddling as far as like what lineups were being run this season and when the when the rotations got shortened and everything. Now, there are certain things you can point to, like Kevin Porter Jr. being the point guard. That is very clearly a front office mandate, right? John Wall being sat was a decision, a directive by the front office. And this goes all the way back to when John Wall did his tell-all podcast and highlighted so many of the issues with this Rockets organization a lot of what John Wall said is being reiterated here in this athletic article, right? A lot of the concerns, a lot of the front office, you know, meddling 
all, just all of it is now being echoed. And so now you've got it from multiple sources, right? So I do think there are some concerns there. But these concerns can ultimately be squashed based on how the Rockets handled this upcoming offseason, right? Because you had Stone, who was a rookie GM. You had Silas, a rookie head coach. You had Tillman Fertitta, who is basically still a rookie owner. You know, you have a lot of new blood at every level of the organization. So how do you fix that? How do you get the organization back on track? You bring in a coach with some pedigree. You bring in a coach who's established, who league-wide, you'll look around, and if the Rockets bring in a Nick Nurse or an Ime Odoka or a Kenny Atkinson, that is immediately somebody who commands a little bit of respect and who you'll understand and will know and have the confidence in is going to be putting his best foot forward and putting out a good product on the floor. Somebody that you're not going to have to worry about is the front office meddling with Atkinson's rotations or anything like that. So the next head coaching hire is going to be really important because it'll also give you confidence that the Rockets management isn't continuing to do things like that and that they are going to be fully hands-off and giving all the autonomy to whoever the prospective head coach is. Elsewhere in this athletic article, it highlighted that sources close to Jalen Green pushed for more structure and play calling, believing that the freelance system and lack of a true floor general weren't conducive to the rookie's development. So concerns from Jalen Green's rookie year Echoing many of my own concerns through Jalen Green's rookie and sophomore year, the fact that the Rockets do not have a legitimate point guard on the floor. I think that significantly slowed down Jalen's development. And I think it hurt LP's development. And I think it hurt Jabari's development this year. And I was even, when I was at the Rockets game the other night, the Jabari game winner against the Pelicans, I was sitting, because I was there as a fan that night, I was sitting directly behind some of the guys from Jalen Green's camp. And as we were talking, commenting on what was taking place throughout the game, I, they, they still have their concerns about the lack of structure, the lack of hierarchy, the lack of an identity for this team, and the lack of somebody who can actually help Jalen be better, somebody who can set Jalen Green up. And when you read between the lines on those, those are all concerns that are directed back to Kevin Porter Jr. as the point guard, which is a direct result of the front office thinking that KPJ can be a point guard and we're running this experiment for two years in a row. So hopefully the front office realizes that it needs to end the KPJ experiment. I wish that the contract extension hadn't taken place, but that's a conversation topic for another day. It's not a can of worms that we want to completely unload right here, right now. But you can even point to, again, Jabari Smith Jr., right? He struggled offensively this year because of a lack of hierarchy, a lack of pecking order, a lack of offensive identity, all these issues that we've highlighted consistently. And these are all, all these reasons that we, can, that we can lay out. And again, I can have a stack of them about this high as to why it was the right move for the Houston Rockets to move on from Steven Silas. And even though, and this is where I think fans get a little, you know, Sometimes the, the, the nuance gets lost here. It's not all on Steven Silas. He's not being made a scapegoat in this. There are some Steven Silas truthers out there that are, are swearing that he is being done wrong and that the organization, that he is a victim of the Rockets' rebuild and that this is all Tillman's fault or, or Stone is the, vic- is, the, is the villain here. No. Everybody has a little bit of blame. Silas has blame. Stone has some blame. The players have blame. I even I'd actually venture so far as to say the one area, the one group that doesn't really have blame is is actually ownership because 
they signed up for a three-year rebuild. And it's really hard as an ownership group, whatever, as an owner of an NBA, of an NBA franchise, of a sports franchise, I should say, to resign yourself to being bad for three years. It got really ugly there at certain stretches, right? The one in 15 start last year, the two in 15 start this year. It has been really brutal through certain stretches. And yet at no point did they deviate. They, they stayed the course and they accomplished what they set out to do, which was essentially a clean slate reset, which is where they're at now. They've accumulated all this young talent. They have 60 million plus in cap space to utilize this off season. And they'll be able to bring in a brand new head coach and hopefully give the organization a facelift and some much needed, uh, some much needed credibility with the right hire this off season. That's about as good of a clean slate reset as you can hope for. And so anybody that wants to point towards ownership and saying that they had, that it was their fault for allowing this to go on, whatever. I mean, what, what else, what would you have changed? What would you have done differently? Because as far as the macro is concerned, the big picture, the Rockets are in a fantastic spot. The micro kind of sucked and the day-to-day was awful, but it's over. Phase one of the rebuild is now done and we're moving into phase two. And the number one thing at the top of phase two, the very first thing that the Houston Rockets have to get right is hiring a new head coach. We're going to talk about that coming up here in just a moment highlighting some of the possible candidates to become the Houston Rockets' next head coach, the reporting surrounding those guys, as well as some of what I've heard myself. We're going to get there in just one moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is the coolest mobile game that I've played in a long time. I've always thought that I could be a fantastic NBA GM, and as it turns out, it's actually not that easy. It's a lot harder than I thought it would be. If you had the same thought and have fantasized about managing your own basketball franchise, go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through the seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, players and coaches, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, and all the ups and downs of multiple seasons. We made our own little locked on ultimate pro GM basketball league. And we've been talking trash with each other. Guys have won championships. We're going back and forth. It has been a ton of fun. You can check it out. Locked on Rockets listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out to download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code or look it up on the app store. That's probasketballgm.com, ultimate basketball GM start your dynasty today and final segment here at locked on rockets your daily podcast home for everything houston rockets basketball now let's go ahead and we're going to dive into some of the available head coaching candidates for this houston rockets team some of the names that we've mentioned here as recently as when the nick nurse news folks first broke that there was a tie and some interest on both sides between the Rockets and Nick Nurse as far as if he were to move on from the Toronto Raptors. So let's go through some of the names here on this list as well as some of what I've heard about how the Rockets are going to approach their head coaching hunt here. Uh, The names that have been reported so far, Raptors head coach Nick Nurse, Warriors assistant Kenny Atkinson, former Lakers head coach Frank Vogel, ex-Hornets coach James Borrego, Raptors assistant Adrian Griffin and ex-Celtics coach Ime Udoka. 
There's also uh, Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated mentioned Scotty Brooks as a possibility for the Houston Rockets. So that's another name to consider. And where I come away from with this list of names is there are a lot of names with legitimate NBA head coaching pedigree on this list, right? Nick Nurse is a champion. Kenny Atkinson has won a title as an assistant with the Warriors and has had playoff experience with the Brooklyn Nets and was with the Atlanta Hawks that were playing some incredible basketball under Mike Budenholzer as an assistant. Uh, James Borrego actually had some success with the Charlotte Hornets and comes from the Greg Popovich tree. Frank Vogel, an NBA champion head coach. Uh, Emi Odoka taking the Celtics to the finals as a rookie head coach, right? There's a lot of a lot of good success among that coaching that that collective group of possible possible coaches and when i look at that list i think i still come away with Kenny Atkinson being the most attractive option of that list and i'm kind of torn on this i i you know and i might vacillate a little bit here maybe it'll be maybe one day i might lean a little bit more towards Nick Nurse maybe maybe one day it'll be Ime Odoka i think I think those are my three names, though, at the very top of the list, those three guys specifically in some in some order, Atkinson, Udoka, Nick Nurse. But one other thing to consider is some of the guys that are further down on this list, right? Like Adrian Griffin or James Borrego or Scotty Brooks, guys like that, or potentially even a Sam Cassell type maybe. You might be able to pair a couple of these guys together, like... James Borrego is known for being an offensive guy and Emo Doka is known for being a defensive guy or Frank Vogel's known for being a defensive guy. The Rockets could very easily bring in two of these names, possibly, right? One as the head coach and then one as the associate coach and then pair them together and then have them build out a staff themselves collectively together, very similarly to how the Rockets used to have Mike D'Antoni in charge of offense and Jeff Bizdelic in charge of defense, Right. So having that type of a dynamic on your bench as far as your coaching staff is concerned could be really, really beneficial assuming the Rockets are willing to pay and shell out for that type of coaching production. And again, this is the part, and it bears repeating, this is where the Rockets can choose how much of a competitive edge and advantage they want to have over other organizations. Because at the end of the day, there is no salary cap on what you spend for a head coach. You can spend as much or as little as you would like on NBA coaching. So if the Rockets want to put together a good, high-quality coaching staff, if they want a good name hire, they're going to have to pay for it. And they're probably going to have to pay a bit of a premium because they're kind of a bad organization right now. So whoever they do ultimately hire and what their staff ultimately looks like will be a direct indicator of how serious this Rockets organization is taking this next step of the rebuild. If they try to cheap out and hire a James Borrego or a Scotty Brooks or another random assistant from some bench somewhere in the NBA as the new head coach, then you're going to look at it and be a little concerned that they went the wrong way or that they cheaped out a little bit. I don't think that's going to be the case. I have been told verbatim as far as my concerns about getting this offseason right and whether or not the Rockets are going to be coming away and feeling really good about this offseason. I have been told verbatim, we will not miss when it comes to handling finding the right next head coach. And that that made me feel a lot better about the situation, personally. So, there's that. And then, it's also my understanding that there is a possibility that 
some of the coaches on the current coaching staff may still stick around through to the next era. And, but, but that it's going to be entirely up to whoever they bring in as the new head coach and whether or not that person wants to ultimately hold on to some of the names that are on the current coaching staff. And I say that because I would love honestly for John Lucas and Abdel Fada to stick around regardless of whoever the next head coach is. I would hate to lose Mahmoud and Lucas has been such a staple for the Houston Rockets for so long. Again, I've joked before, you're going to have to bury Lucas under Toyota center when it's all said and done, but having the, having one to two names from the previous coaching regime to kind of bridge the gap for all these young guys and have some voices and have some guys that they can lean on and have some familiarity in that locker room could be really beneficial. It could do wonders for establishing and harboring a new relationship with whoever the new head coach is rather than coming in with a clean slate and it's a brand new group of guys and you're having to build chemistry from the ground up. I've also been kind of on the other end of that and I'm not sure if it's actually better if they just go cold turkey, clean slate, get rid of everybody and just start fresh. I think both I think both sides have their merits. It'll be ultimately very interesting to see what direction the Rockets ultimately go with A, who they hire, and then B, whether that person decides they want to hold on to any of the names like John Lucas or Mahmoud Abdel Fada or Rick Higgins or, you know, Mike Batiste, Lionel Hollins, whether any of those guys actually stick around. Again, my votes would be for Luke and for Mahmoud to stick around on whatever this new staff is. With that, if I could have my if I could if I could just get my favorite pick here, I'd probably go Ime Odoka, James Borrego as my like head coach and assistant coaching combo. I think that has that that duo right there has a lot of potential and a lot of promise. Um, it's gonna be a and, and here's my other thing. I I I think we're not we're not gonna get like a rushed answer from the Rockets. They're not gonna go through a head coaching process and and have a name out to us within a week. Hopefully. They do their due diligence. Hopefully they take time and and put in a lot of effort and they make sure they make the next right decision because the next guy shouldn't be a stepping stone coach. The next head coach the Rockets hire is hopefully going to be the guy that ushers in the next age of what is hopefully competitive Houston Rockets basketball. Steven Silas was effectively your stepping stone coach through the rebuild. And that's, again, it sucks for Steven, but that's just the hand that he was dealt. And so now the coach that you bring in is going to help usher in the new age, get these young guys to the next level, and then ideally be coaching this team when this team is playing for playoff basketball again, when they're when they're trying to get to the play-in tournament, when they're trying to win first round, second round, you know, conference finals, when they're trying to win titles again. That's the opt that's the hope with whoever this next person is that the Rockets ultimately bring in. They've got to get the head coaching hire right because getting the head coaching hire right is the first domino that needs to fall in getting this organization back to a place of respectability as far as how the league perceives the Houston Rockets. This is not going to be our final conversation on this. This is just the immediate reaction, kind of, it's it's fresh, it's new. I'm sure I'm going to have extended thoughts about this as well as our weekly co-hosts, Ben DuBose, Ali Kambajani, Madison Moore. Everybody's going to have thoughts on how the Rockets are going to navigate these coming days, weeks, months, the entire offseason. But that's what I've got for you today. Now, I do have 
couple more tidbits here to throw in before we do get to, I'll, I'll run a tankathon spin because why not, right? Tankathon spins are always fun. Two things. One, James Harden was working out at Toyota Center, spotted on IG working out at Toyota Center uh, ahead of the Sixers first round series later this week. So do with that information what you will. And then on top of that, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. was held out of the final game of the season. So even though the Rockets did win that game, much to the chagrin of everybody everywhere, the Rockets will have an additional, I believe, two Point six million dollars in cap space because KPJ did not reach one of his or one of his incentives was changed from likely to unlikely because he did not reach a certain games played threshold. And so the Rockets will have a little bit more cap space to play with this summer because they finally held KPJ out of that final game, even though it looked like they ultimately weren't going to do it. So a couple little positive notes there to wrap things up. But on that note, I do want to run this tankathon spin and I, I've had such terrible luck with the tankathon spins for so long now. I just, I don't even know what to make of it. So I'm just going to run it. I'm just going to roll it and we'll see what happens. Rockets are tied with the Spurs for second worst odds right now. So let's see. Oh yeah. I've just, look, maybe all this bad luck here on this show is just going to ultimately turn into good luck on the day of the actual lottery. Rockets fall to six. On this one, Chicago jumps up to number one. So it's Chicago, Detroit, Indiana, Washington, Spurs at five, and Rockets all the way at six on this spin. I I broke the software and I didn't have the, the tankathon spin ready to be displayed for the YouTube side. So I apologize about that. I'll get that fixed before our next episode. But with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. It's been a long one. It's been a long winding road to get here. We're now moving into phase two of the Rockets rebuild. They're going to have to try and figure out who their next head coach is going to be. And of course, we're going to have recovered for all of that, the entire coaching searching process, everything here at Locked on Rockets. But this has been yet another season of Houston Rockets basketball. This is my fourth season, four seasons doing LOR. And I've loved every second of it. And I love it because of you guys, the listeners, right? I love interacting with you guys. I love seeing your thoughts in the YouTube comments. I love interacting with you guys on social media. I love hanging out with you guys in Rockets Watch, which has been a brand new experience this season for the Houston Rockets and for us to communicate and connect with you guys. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for sticking with the show. I know it's been a, it has been a roller coaster through these three years and through this most recent season, especially, but Hopefully things are going to be on the up and up. Hopefully we'll be get to talk about some positive winning basketball this next season. And I hope you stick with the show throughout all of that. But as always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Give me your thoughts on everything, Steven Silas. Let me know in the YouTube comments how you feel about this team moving forward, about moving on from Steven Silas. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.